This week's episode of The Dive is brought to you by Willamette Week's Best New Bands Showcase, featuring Kingsley, Pool Boys, Glitter Fox, Night Heron, and more. This Monday, July 18th at Mississippi Studios. Doors are at 6. Tickets are 10 bucks. Welcome to the Dive Podcast, presented by Willamette Week, where every Saturday we discuss the biggest news stories of the week with Portland's noisiest newsmakers, savviest culturistas, and some of the best journalists in the game. I'm your host, Brianna Wheeler, and I want to hear from you. So send your questions and comments to me, bwheeler at wweek.com. All right, y'all, enjoy the show. The trouble with being interesting is a lot of people think they know you. That's kind of the thesis of Willamette Week's Best of Portland issue 2022. Yes, this is an interesting city. Interesting people live here. Interesting shit happens here. But because it's also a problematic city, act like you know, or at least pretend, our narrative is often less bewitching to those whose main familiarity with us originates from global headlines and or deep cable comedy. But we live here. We know there's more to Portland than corrupt Keystone cops and feckless politicians and racism and food carts and white guilt. This is a magical emerald green city full of esoteric witches with cool haircuts and probably eccentric gallery installations, extraordinarily conceived spaces for people to just like vibe in, and always, always, always individuals who, despite the many climate bummers of this epoch, are actively trying to make Portland a better place. So much so, in fact, that we had to put together a whole issue about who's doing it best. It's Saturday, July 16th, and this is episode 80 of The Dive. In 2022's Best of Portland issue, there's a lot to celebrate about this city. For example, the True Crime Cat Lawyer podcast, what? Yes, hosted by my guest and her cat, uh, Elise Lopez and Winston. Um, Elise is a workers' comp lawyer who moonlights as a Pacific Northwest-based true crime storyteller whose podcast, rather than unpacking case details or perpetrator backstories, focuses on victims, many of which were from local communities and whose familiar stories may have gone untold in favor of sensational headlines. We'll also have a quick chat with WW's art director, Mick Hanglin-Skill, about how he organized this week's iconic Big Float cover. Those chats are coming up next, but first, here's what I learned from this week's issue of Willamette Week. PPB supposedly ceased pulling drivers over for minor infractions in an effort to curb racial disparities in traffic stops. But a report released earlier in the week showed the percentage of black drivers who were pulled over actually increased. A man approaching a family on the East Bank Esplanade asked if they were Japanese. And then he began attacking the father. The man was arrested and released the same day with instructions to call into the court next week. And apparently, despite committing a hate crime, the perpetrator's release was completely in line with Portland guidelines on holding defendants. 
guidelines that were updated the day before the attack. Lucas Mansfield reports on how and why this all shook out the way that it did. And in good news, the Best New Bands showcase featuring former WW cover bay Kingsley, as well as Pool Boys, Glitter Fox, Night Heron, is happening this Monday, July 18th at Mississippi Studios. Doors are at six and tickets are ten dollars. Now, let's chat with Elise Lopez about Portland's best true crime podcast, The True Crime Cat Lawyer. How do you decide which cases to examine? Yeah, so that's a good question. Um, A lot of it comes from my own interest. There's actually a lot of cases in the Pacific Northwest that I've never heard of, Mm. which is super interesting to me. Um, Yeah, because you grew up here? This is your your home base? Yeah, I grew up in Portland. And so there's, you know, just even in Oregon, there's a lot of serial killers that I didn't know about. There's a lot of (laughs) your face. (laughs) Listeners, my eyes got so big when she said that. (laughs) (laughs) Well, because I knew there was a lot in Washington, but then kind of getting into this podcast, there's actually a lot of lesser known, smaller ones Mm -hmm. in Oregon. And um, so I do try to cover cases that are a little less uh, well known. And then I also like to kind of invite my patrons to recommend cases and vote on kind of a topic that they want to hear um because you know they're paying for that extra content so I kind of like to give them the option if I can Mm -hmm. what type of law do you practice yeah so I practice workers compensation defense so I represent employers and insurance companies Hmm. it's pretty removed from the criminal law field. Sure. Um, what type of law does Winston practice? Uh, Winston does a little bit of everything <laughs> for cats. Um, she's taken on a lot of um, defamation cases for cats. There's a lot of people, <laughs> you know, that allege their cats commit these crimes. And uh, she's just trying to clear their names. So noble. <laughs> so, so noble. You are a practicing lawyer. Did you want to practice criminal law like are you does the podcast kind of fill that that want or that need or yes so I did originally go to law school with the intent in practicing criminal defense law but I quickly realized that although I'm still very passionate about criminal defense work I'm the kind of person that takes on other people's feelings very heavily. And so I was worried that just sort of being an an empathic person would just kind of slowly eat away at me. And so through this podcast and being able to give victims a voice, but also give um, wrongfully accused people a voice Mm -hmm. because I do um, a special series with another podcast just covering wrongful convictions and that's something that both of our podcasts have been really passionate about. You know, I, I care a lot about, you know, people and animals. And it just, I was worried that it would kind of destroy my spirit and mm-hmm. harden me in a way that I don't want to to be. When I first, um, like the first episode I listened to and I heard the uh, the disclaimer that you put at the top of the episodes. And I immediately thought, oh, Winston, is a ther- Winston must be a therapy cat. 
Yes. So she's definitely the kind of light at the end of the tunnel. Um, we do a little segment on our Instagram page. Every Wednesday is Winston Wednesday. So we share just some cute photos of her. And then she usually gives legal advice or a little tidbit, we used to call them, of, you know, like, what's the right to a jury trial? And, you know, what's the Fourth Amendment all about? What's reasonable cause? So kind of explaining legal topics in a more um, just kind of educational way. So we're not like using a case as an example. Um, But she definitely is the kind of um, much needed happy relief for these topics. And then also on my Patreon, I tend to be a little bit more um, kind of more interest, not more interesting, but like more, um, like I have conspiracy theories. Mm. I have, you know, like weird crimes. I've done like the spooky crimes for Halloween. So things that aren't necessarily in that heavy box, like they're still really, really interesting, but they're not, you know, the heavy topics that we talk about. And then I've also started to do more of the missing persons cases Mm. in my main episodes, because although those are heavy, there's still this kind of hope that we can, you know, you know, answer questions for the families. So I think that there's a little bit of um, happiness in some respect, like that we can maybe do something to help these people. Whereas like with solved cases, you know, you really are just kind of telling a really heavy story. Yeah. What is the most incredible thing that you've learned about a case while doing this podcast? It's not surprising to me because I have, you know, had experience with criminal law kind of all my life. But just to see the different sentences that people get for murder, Mm -hmm. especially, I think that's a big one. Um, The differences that we see, you know, some people are getting life in prison without parole. Some people are getting the death penalty some people are arguably even more heinous, but they don't get that same kind of sentence. And it's just, it's very interesting to see how the criminal justice system plays out. And I think, you know, in the last 10 years, people have become more aware of the um, disparities between race and gender, Mm -hmm. and especially class as well. And just... The fact that um, all of those play a significant role in how a person's sentenced. Yeah, well, do you see a lot of patterns then in the um, like conviction? I'm sorry, convictions, sentencing. We tend to see a lot of the you know people of color get a lot more serious time for things. I've I've seemed to kind of notice that women don't get as serious amount of times unless it's involving a child victim Mm. then it's sort of which I mean you know arguably that's rightfully so because that's a a very heinous crime um but you know murder is still murder Mm -hmm. regardless of the age of the victim and so it is interesting to kind of see um how these are approached you know there's there's some things that I don't think people talk a lot about in sentencing and in cases about race and even just 
the way investigations go with police. And so that's, I'm very critical of that. I don't have a very uh, pleasant view of the police and particularly when we cover Oregon cases, Portland cases, I don't at all have a good view of the Portland police department. Um, and I try not to come into it with too much bias, but at the same time, I think we all know, excuse me, how the Portland police bureau has been investigated and how they've historically treated people of color, Mm -hmm. people with mental illness, And so raising awareness of those kind of things and trying to break down barriers for people to realize that not everyone is going to have the same experience as you, particularly when it comes to police. Mm -hmm. You know, there's a very different way that, you know, even my own brother, he's, you know, a Latino male who's 6'3". He's going to have a very different experience being pulled over than my white boyfriend who's you know five nine yeah which case has been which case affected you the most there's been quite a few that have really affected me i think um i think the the robert picton case that i did um really affected me just because you know it i made it all about the victims and so in writing and researching that episode I had to split it into two parts because it was so much but at the same time you know even though I was trying to focus on the victims there's only so much we know about these victims because they're from high-risk populations such as sex workers or runaways and so I think for me that's that's why missing persons cases are really important to me. And those are the ones that usually affect me the most Mm. because it's, I find it so frustrating not to be able to have even just basic information to share with you. Like who was this person before they went missing? You know, this person had this moment in their lives where everything changed and they disappeared, but they were a person before all that happened. And so I think for me, just, seeing the way the media kind of portrays those cases. And I think, you know, the conversation is definitely shifting to missing and murdered indigenous women, Mm -hmm. women of color, people of color, and just the lack of coverage that they get compared to kind of this missing white girl syndrome. Um, That's something that's really important to me as well. And so when I do my missing persons cases, I always try to include as many people of color as I can, as many missing and murdered indigenous women as I can, um, because those stories still need to be told. Mm -hmm. Thank you, Elise. Now let's talk to Mick Hanglin-Skill about how he managed this week's cover, an epic aerial shot of Portland's final big float. Don't tell anyone, but I came up with this idea on the way to the pitch meeting. As I was crossing the bridge on my Max train, I looked out across the river and thought, yes, we have to do something with Big Float. It would be great. Um, But really the first thing with any big idea, because big ideas are free and they come all the time, uh, is to make sure it's feasible. Mm -hmm. So I got in touch with our uh, somebody who could operate a drone, uh, somebody who knew how to do that, um, and trying to figure out if this would work in our timeline and our deadline. Um, 
And it did. And I arrived at our pitch meeting uh, basically ready to go as long as they said yes. And they did say yes. How many people were involved? How many people were on the team that made this happen? So it was me, art directing. We had a drone operator. And then our reporter, Sophie, is holding the right-hand W. And her partner, Devin, is holding the left-hand W. And all the other people that are in the photo, they're just lucky bystanders that happen to be cover models now? They happen to be floating in the river at the same time as us. And uh, so now they're, in the, now they're on the cover. <laughs> I think what was interesting is, in, in addition to the creative ideation of having, having fun with this cover and making something grand, um, the, the technical details of actually being able to fly a drone over people is regulated by the FAA. Oh, that's right. Which is brand new to me, but because we have a licensed operator, uh, he knew how to do this legally and mm -hmm. within the regulations. Um, so this is a very cropped in image of the larger photo, which was taken several feet in the air. Um, so this was, uh, this photo was taken in accordance to FAA regulations, <laughs> which is not something I'd say, <laughs> thought I'd say about a cover ever. <laughs> That's the crazy thing about drone. My husband has a drone <clears throat> and there's only like, you know, a hand. he's not a licensed drone operator. So there's really only a handful of places he can do it or it will just, it will just stop. It will stop running and fall out of the sky. It's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. And apparently we're the Willamette river in that part of Portland is far enough from Portland international airport mm -hmm. that it, uh, I don't know if unregulated is the right word, but it is not, controlled as it would be if, it, if we were next door to it yeah well congratulations yeah. on an awesome cover thank you so much um it definitely my favorite cover i have art directed so far to this week's guests, Elise Lopez and Mick Hangman-Skill. And thank you for joining me. I hope you'll join me again next week. Until then, bye!